This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Blue Wire. With the second pick in the 2017 NFL Draft, the Chicago Bears select... Mitchell Trubisky. Trubisky stepping up, fires down the sideline. Robinson makes the catch. From the Raiders to the Bears, Khalil Mack, now officially in Chicago. Brought down, Khalil Mack. Welcome back to Chicago Shuffle, your one and only Chicago Bears podcast, part of the Blue Wire Podcast Network. I am your host, Brian Perez, and I am joined once again by Alyssa Barbieri. You can check out all my Bears work at NBCSportsChicago.com, and you can get all of Alyssa's news, notes, and nuggets on the Chicago Bears at BearsWire.com. You could also throw us a follow over on Twitter. I'm at Brian Perez. Alyssa is at Alyssa Barbieri. We have a lot to talk about tonight, Bears fans. It's been a week since we last got together, and there's been a lot that's happened since then, notably a Chicago Bears regular season game and a loss. Alyssa. How have you recovered since last Thursday night's week one disappointment? I mean, I feel like it's been forever. Immediately after, obviously, the reaction, it was like, what the hell just happened? <laughs> like, what did I just watch? After all of the waiting, all of the hype for basically, essentially, after the Eagles game, right? Like, all of this hype and excitement we've been building up, and then that dud happened. But I feel like after a few days, you know, it's, you know, I feel like I'm just ready to move on to the Broncos like the Bears are. You know, that's one of the benefits of doing a show like we're doing, where we get together once a week, where we, you know, sit down and chat with all you Bears fans, middle of the week. In terms of the way the regular season has started, with the Bears having a Thursday night game, we've had some time to recover. We've had some time to get logic and reason and rational thinking back to the forefront of our minds. We didn't jump right behind the microphones and start speaking unfiltered about the Bears' loss, maybe about Mitch Trubisky, about Matt Nagy, about his play calling. We've had some time to think about what actually took place last Thursday. And before we move on to the Denver Broncos game, we do have to touch on some of the things we did see. Let's start with just the level of disappointment, Alyssa. Last year, this time, the Bears were 0-1 after losing to the Green Bay Packers on a nationally televised Sunday night game, not necessarily a Thursday night opener, but still the first primetime Sunday night game. And that was a devastating loss for a bunch of different reasons. That was a loss that hurt so badly because of the Aaron Rodgers comeback, the fact that the Bears had jumped out to such a big and unexpected lead, maybe creating some false hope in the fan base about the team being able to dethrone Aaron Rodgers early in the season. But what we didn't know as we were going through that that roller coaster ride of an opener was that it really was a statement game by the Bears announcing to the rest of the NFL that they are a legitimate contender, a legitimate 
football team that can go toe-to-toe with the NFL's best, including Aaron Rodgers, with a first-year head coach, essentially a first-year starting quarterback. Khalil Mack only had three or four days with the team, and they almost pulled off the biggest upset of week one last season. It was like a statement announcement game, even though it hurt so badly when we lost. This game, it was arguably as big of a hurt as, as much of, of a painful feeling with, with the loss, but I would almost argue that it's it's worse. There was no you know loss lead, lost lead. There was no Aaron Rodgers limping out of the locker room, leading the Packers on an embarrassing comeback as a Bears fan. But it still stung worse because the Bears just looked bad on offense. They looked bad. They didn't look like a team that can compete for a Super Bowl with the way Mitch Trubisky was playing, with the way Matt Nagy was calling plays, with the way the offensive line was essentially allowing the quarterback to just get harassed and abused all night long. No life or pulse from a running game. It just felt terrible to watch. Alyssa, where do you rank these two opening day losses, 2018 versus 2019? Which would you say is worse and why? I'd have to say this year's loss, obviously. Last year's opener, it was absolutely gut-wrenching because victory was within reach. It was a dropped interception within reach. But even then, you know, despite the defense giving up 24 points in that miraculous Aaron Rodgers comeback, it, it felt more like a hiccup than a legitimate defensive concern, you know, considering Khalil Mack had only been there a few days, seeing what this defense was able to do. But then you have this year's opener. It was just abysmal because all of the expectations, an entire offseason, basically since January, all of the hype and everyone was so high, so confident that the Bears could just come on in here and easily stomp the Packers. And then the offense, which you know was supposed to have grown as it's mastering this this scheme in year two, it just crapped the bed. So like I feel like last year's opener was worse in the moment because of it, the, the game was right there within reach. They should have won that game. But Thursday's opener was more disappointing because you left with more concerns than positives. Just like last year, obviously, way more positives. It felt like that was the beginning of something. Whereas this one, it was the beginning of some concerns, especially surrounding Mitch Trubisky. So like, although this loss was, I feel like it was humbling for not only the fan base, but for the team. So it kind of like brought them back to earth. in all of the hype and the expectations this offseason before they'd done anything, it was a reminder that, you know, last season is last season. They have to go out and prove this year that if they want to win the Super Bowl, that they're a Super Bowl contender, they need to go prove it this year. And, you know, the the essence of just enjoying something or being happy in general is having some, that something to look forward to, that hopeful feeling that something positive or exciting is coming down the pipeline. And I think last year's loss, even though it hurt, gave Bears fans hope and made Bears fans look forward to week two of 2018 because of this new standard that was set by Khalil Mack, by a encouraging, an encouraging performance of, of Mitch Trubisky. There was that hope, that, that seed of hope planted by the Bears in the fan base in week one last year. Week one this year did almost the exact opposite. It's planted a seed of doubt and a seed of worry and concern. Is Mitch Trubisky the guy? I mean, this is what we've been hearing now for a week. The Deshaun Watson and Patrick Mahomes draft class. 
all the tweets, all the trolls, all the memes, everywhere you go on social media, it could be worse. You could be a Bears fan who drafted Trubisky over Mahomes and Watson. We've heard it over and over and over again for a week now. And here's the problem, Melissa. I try my best at all times to separate my Bears fandom from my football, just the two eyes that you have in your head watching the game and trying to make a true assessment of what's going on on the field. I do that with the NFL draft work that I do, specifically with scouting players and projecting them to the next level. So when you're watching a player perform, you need to remove yourself from the bias of being a fan of that team. Mitch Trubisky, there are legitimate reasons to be concerned. I know Bears Twitter would attack me in droves if they heard this, and hopefully you are hearing this Bears Twitter. I would hope you are, and you're subscribing, and you're leaving a five-star review on Apple, on Apple Podcasts or iTunes or whatever the hell it's called now. But the reality is the reality. You can't modify, change, color, blur reality to fit your narrative. Mitch Trubisky Thursday night did not look like a starting quarterback in the NFL. I don't care what anybody says. You could blame the offensive line. You could blame the play calling. And yes, those two variables did contribute to an otherwise poor performance by Mitch Trubisky. When you have a young quarterback, of course, it would be really nice to give him some protection. And it probably would be pretty helpful if you had a head coach who was calling plays with a balanced offensive script. Uh, give David Montgomery the football, right? Give Tariq Cohen some carries. That didn't happen for Mitch Trubisky. So he was playing a little bit behind the eight ball. But the reality is when he was throwing passes from a clean pocket, Alyssa, he was missing the mark. And he did this last year. And he did this as a rookie. When, it, when chaos ensued around him, when the pocket broke down, when the pass rush was ramped up, he looked panicked. He didn't look composed. He didn't look calm. And this is nothing new. We have seen this from Mitch Trubisky. We have seen examples of Mitch Trubisky stepping up and playing at an A-plus level as well. We've seen it. We saw it last year in the Eagles playoff game. Alyssa, you and I have spoken at length about this. We've seen it against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I think he had five or six touchdown passes that game. Mitch Trubisky has flashed plenty of examples of why he could be a legitimate franchise quarterback. But I would argue, now in year three, we've seen more examples that would create and raise doubt. As a Bears fan, you could choose to accept that reality or you can ignore that reality. Reality says Patrick Mahomes is an MVP. Reality says Deshaun Watson is the reason why the Texans are going to win their division and potentially make a strong run for a Super Bowl if they can protect him. Those are two quarterbacks with the same level of experience, with the same draft pedigree as Mitch Trubisky. Now, neither one of them started their NFL career with John Fox or Dowell Loggins. I get it. But let's just talk about the player. If you just remove the jersey, you strip down the helmet, 
you clear the sidelines and the coaches and anything else that's around. And Patrick Mahomes drops back to throw a football. Deshaun Watson drops back to throw a football. And Mitch Trubisky drops back to throw a football. 20 yards down the field. Who are you betting on to hit the target based on what we've seen over the last couple of seasons now? I would argue Mahomes is one. Watson's two. Trubisky's three. Why? That has nothing to do with John Fox. That has nothing to do with Dowell Loggins. That is simple quarterback scouting, watching the guy play the game. Now, we could be wrong. Mitch Trubisky maybe just had the nerves of the opening night. Nerves, anxiety, stress. That can make a guy inaccurate. He's just got to settle down. Alyssa, we talked all month about Trubisky not throwing a single pass in the preseason. We may have seen the, the side effect of that. A guy not getting used to throwing against another defense until the game actually counted for real, and he's just getting working out the kinks at the worst possible time. However, you can't accept that as being good enough from a guy who's supposed to lead a Super Bowl team on a Super Bowl run in a Super Bowl year. What do you think, Alyssa? I mean, you watched Mitch Trubisky just like I did. You watched all his dropbacks, all his throws. You've watched every pass he's made since he's been a Chicago Bear. Am I off base here to say the Bears fan has to be honest and say, look, no more excuses. It's time to see the guy. We need to see that guy who's supposed to be on the 202 level, not the 101 level of Matt Nagy's offense. The guy who can make a throw in a tight window with pressure bearing down in his face. The guy who can rally the offense for more than just one game against the Eagles, but consistently when the team needs points or the team just needs a sustained drive or the team just needs a leader to make a play. We need to see it consistently now. Where are you at with Mitch Trubisky even a week removed from his game? I just want to say that like Trubisky has this tendency to give his critics just absolute fire against him in these nationals on the national stage. There's no denying he he looked downright horrible. He looked like he did not belong out in the field sometimes during that game, locking in on his first read and his first read only. He was staring down Allen Robinson, who still managed to have a good game in spite of that. Like you said, the accuracy issues again. He was sacked. The biggest concern is that it looked like he'd regressed rather than developed heading into year three where he's supposedly on the same page as Matt Nagy. But that again, look at Nagy's night, you know, maybe they were on the same page only it was the wrong page, but I think it's very, it's valid to be concerned about where he is. There's no more excuses. This is year three. We've been making excuses for him, you know, year one under John Fox and Dow Loggins, and he had no virtually no receivers to throw to. Okay. Year two coming in with learning a new offense, building chemistry with, with these receivers. Okay, there's the excuses again, essentially his first year. But now we're entering the, his third year, his second year in Nagy's offense, and the excuses have to stop because, like you said, you're looking at what Mahomes, you're looking at what Watson are doing. And obviously, they're, you know, not all, all their stories aren't the same how they came into the league, right? You had um, Mahomes rested his first year, he had time to learn the offense, and then you had Watson who was thrown in there, um, and then Trubisky having to, you know, play under Fox and Dow Loggins. Like it's different, but at the same time, like you said, all the, all of them have the same dra- uh, draft pedigree. You have to take the Bears' glasses off, look at them as quarterbacks. And Trubisky, like you said, he's he's third right now. There is legitimate reason to be concerned. 
And, but also, like you said, week one is weird. You know, it could be that he had the nerves, right? We've seen, this isn't the first time we've seen him look a little off on in primetime, right? The Rams game, the first Packers game. So I feel like, you know, this is probably the worst Trubisky has ever looked. Correct me if I'm wrong. There's, there's no way I want to, I want to feel like there's no way that he's this bad. Like, let's call this like his dark basement. <clears throat> so there's a tendency to overreact sometimes. I mean, I'm concerned, but I don't feel like I'm jumping ship yet because I want to give him, this is one game, one game of 16 regular season games. You're so, right. You're absolutely right, Alyssa. You don't want to jump ship. And I, and I do think it's important to condition everything I said with that in mind. This is not jumping ship on Mitch Trubisky. Instead, it's challenging. You know, obviously not challenging directly. What the hell does he care what we think? But it's <laughs> yeah. challenging in the hypothetical sense. The quarterback to prove to the fan base that there are reasons to stand on the Trubisky Hill and defend him till our dying breath, our last breath. Give us the reason. Give us the moment, the consistency to do it. Because let me ask you this, Alyssa. If you had to pick a quarterback for the Chicago Bears right now, starting week two, and you'd have him for the next five years, would you take Mitch Trubisky or Deshaun Watson? I mean, after watching the first Alyssa, there is no (laughs) tap dancing around it, no conditioning it, no nothing. You can only give the name. Would you take Mitch Trubisky or Deshaun Watson? Deshaun Watson. Okay, so now why do we say that? Because I agree with you. We say that because of what our eyes have seen. If you take away everything else, if you forget the talking heads and the Bears fans who want to defend Trubisky or the Texans fans who want to defend Watson or the opposite, if you ignore the trolls who want to attack Trubisky or the people who want to knock Watson for whatever reason they might want to knock him, if you just block it all out and just leave it as simple as, who would you rather have? Your heart is going to tell you, eh, I'd rather have Deshaun Watson. Why? Because you just watched Deshaun Watson on Monday Night Football play against the Saints, and the dude is the real deal. I mean, it doesn't take a football scout to know he's the real deal. If you said Mitch Trubisky or Patrick Mahomes, you're going to say Patrick Mahomes. Why? It's not because Andy Reid's his coach. It's not because he wears a red and white jersey and color pattern. It's because you're watching the games. And you see Patrick Mahomes make throws, and you're saying, that's a, that's a goddamn franchise quarterback. That's why you're doing it. And you can go down the list of players that you can compare. Now, where does it get murky? Well, let's say Sam Darnold or Mitch Trubisky, Josh Allen or Mitch Trubisky. You get into that tier of player, there's a debate. Why? Because you've seen Josh Allen be inconsistent, unproductive sometimes. You've seen Sam Darnold not live up to his draft status, not necessarily become that guy. So Mitch Trubisky gets into that debate. Is that what Bears fans want? Is that what could win a Super Bowl, a Josh Allen, Sam Darnold type? Maybe it can. I mean, do you think that's unfair to lump him into that category of quarterback at this point? I don't. I mean, until he proves, like you said, Mahomes and Watson have already proven that they're the real deal. And now Trubisky, he's there. He's number three on that. He needs to prove. Now you're, we're comparing him to Darnold. Um, and we're comparing him to, you can say, Lamar Jackson and how Josh long Allen. That, Alyssa, how long does that take? How long does it, how much time are you 
Alyssa Barbieri, Bears expert, Bears right, Bears wires, Bears wire extraordinaire. How much time do you need to be able to make that decision that he's the guy? I mean, he started what sixteen games or fourteen yeah. games last year. He started twelve games as a rookie. My numbers might be off by a game or two, Bears fans. And he started one game already this season. So we have almost two full seasons worth of starts. How much time do you, how many games do you need to see from Mitch Trubisky before you can make that call? Well, quarterbacks are developing at different rates. We've seen guys like Drew Brees, you know, later on in their career, they finally hit it. But for me, this season is going to tell me, is he a franchise quarterback or not? I'm done with the excuses. I'm done with, oh, he doesn't have as much much experience as the other two. I'm done with, oh, he didn't have the weapons. He didn't have the offensive Okay, line. so Alyssa, I'm going to keep jumping in here because I'm going to keep challenging you. Okay. So this is the year and you're giving all the reasons. You're dismissing all the excuses. But let's flip the table here. What does he have to do to convince you? And I'm not talking about wins or losses. Because Mitch Trubisky could win the Super Bowl this year, just like Trent Dilfer won the Super Bowl with the Baltimore Ravens. And it doesn't necessarily mean he's a Super Bowl quarterback. Because if you remember, the Ravens replaced Trent Dilfer with Elvis Gerback the very next year. They actually thought they could upgrade the quarterback position. So what does Mitch Trubisky, the player, himself, the standalone entity, not the uh, not the you know, moving part as piece, you know, the, the piece to this bigger engine that is the Bears roster. What does Mitch Trubisky, the quarterback, have to show you, Alyssa Barbieri, the Bears expert? What does he have to do to prove he's a, a, a franchise quarterback? The one word that just keeps coming to mind for me is consistency and consistency in all parts of his game. Consist- consistency throwing the ball with his accuracy, his deep ball accuracy, operating this offense consistency just showing me that he can put together two good halves of football and not start off slow and then come back at the end or you know start off hot and then kind of fade out because we've seen him do that a lot I just want to see him be more consistent as a player and I'm not convinced of that at this moment but that's what he needs to show this year plain and simple so I'm going to answer my own question what what I want to see from him are big time throws and big time throws can mean different things to different people. You have pro football focus at the analytics powerhouse that might define big time throws a certain way. You might hear Kurt Warner or Steve Young define big time throws a different way when they're talking on television. And I might have my own definition, but you kind of know it when you see it, you know, kind of go back to that, that theory of you just know it when you see it. I just want to see some big time throws. And if a guy flashes big time throws a couple per game, you're building off of something unique, maybe that it factor. You know, the best quarterbacks have that it factor. What is the it factor? To me, it's the guy that can stand in there and make the big time throw when it matters the most. I don't think we've seen that except for the playoff drive against the Eagles. We saw those big time throws from Trubisky, which I think, you know, if I'm tapping into my own mind here, the, if I'm playing, you know, psychologist for myself, I think what we last saw from Mitch Trubisky raised the bar so high for me because I said he's got it against the Eagles. The Bears lost, but they actually won because the quarterback has turned the corner. He went from a middling second-year guy trying to find his way in the NFL to the guy that put the team on his back, made the big-time throws, and put them in position to win a playoff game. Yes, the Bears lost the game, but they won the war of finding a franchise quarterback. So when we started week one, 
I was expecting that same Mitch Trubisky to take the field. The guy we last saw on that last drive who should have won that playoff game if he had a competent kicker. We saw the complete opposite. We didn't see that. And if we had bet money on the game, if I had bet money on Mitch Trubisky, I would have lost. Unless I bet on mybookie.com, which, Alyssa, you're going to tell us about. So if you found $100 on the street, would you pick it up or would you keep walking? Of course you take the money. So why do you keep picking winners and not betting on them? That's why I go to MyBookie. It's fast, it's easy, and they pay when you win. Let's face it, where you're betting is just as important as who you're betting on. Do the smart thing. If you're going to bet this football season, bet with MyBookie. Did you know that you could bet on games after kickoff? If by the second half it looks like your bet is going to lose, you can always just take the other side. If you're the kind of guy that likes to bet a little and win a lot, try a parlay. A parlay. If all of your picks come through, you'll multiply your winnings. And no matter how you bet, the NFL season is the best time of the year. Join now and my bookie will double your first deposit. Use the promo code BLUEWIRE to activate the offer. That's promo code BLUEWIRE. Visit mybookie.a slash g today. You play, you win, you get paid. And my apologies to my bookie. It is mybookie.a slash g, not mybookie.com. So make sure you make note of that, Bears fans, Chicago Shuffle fans, our loyal listeners out there. And look, Mitch, Mitch Trubisky rant is over. We are in week two. We are going to be looking forward to a more balanced game plan against the Denver Broncos, one that will put Mitch Trubisky in position to show us who he really is, one that hopefully will feature our rookie prized running back, David Montgomery, who, when he actually had a chance to touch the ball a few times, looked primed and ready to make an impact. He just wasn't able to get into the flow of the game. And for a guy like him, with his running style, a player like David Montgomery needs to get that lather going. He needs to get worked up. He needs to be busting heads against the defensive lineman. And then in the fourth quarter, you see that pay dividends with a guy like him. And if you really go back to this week one game, wow, would that have paid big dividends against the Packers? It was a one-score game. Imagine if David Montgomery was rolling in the fourth quarter, if he was on his 22nd, 23rd, 24th carry. We would be looking at probably a win at this point. Didn't happen last week. Alyssa, are you expecting more David Montgomery against the Broncos? I feel like they're, I don't know how we don't see more of him. Uh, it was so frustrating watching that game. Like you were saying, it was a one-score game, and Nagy essentially abandoned the run with 20-plus 20, 20 minutes left in that one-score game. And I still don't believe it. And Nagy has obviously said, you know, that's, you know, we shouldn't have done that. Needed to run the ball more, needed to have more balance on offense. So I feel like there's no way that we don't see a lot more of David Montgomery. Like you were saying, you're telling me that Montgomery couldn't crank off some big runs, move the chains, keep the defense on his toes, helping the pass game later in this game. I feel like the Bears could have won, obviously. Montgomery had six carries, one reception, like you were saying. He showed us a lot in that very small sample size. I kind of felt like it was like the preseason again, where they put him out there for a little bit and they yanked him, put him on the shelf. And we're like, where is he? We need more. Why are you putting him on the bench? Why are you not running him when he's out there making plays? It was very frustrating. So I'm looking forward to seeing more of him out there against the Broncos. You know what I'm worried about? I'm worried that Matt Nagy does not know at all how to use his running backs. 
this year. I'm not saying in general. I'm saying this year. I mean, he's got a lot of mouths to feed Mike Davis, Tariq Cohen, and obviously Montgomery. I don't know if he even knows yet how he should be distributing these carries because it looked early on like he was trying to get all three involved, whether it was Cohen in the passing game, rotating Montgomery and Davis in series, and then just kind of you know divvying up the carries. I think Mike Davis and five carries or whatever it ended up being. I don't know if he really has an idea of how he wants the carry distribution to ultimately play out. And I don't know also if, you know, you got personalities you're dealing with too, maybe some, you know, backroom promises that were made to a guy like Mike Davis and you know, he's going to get the ball, he's going to have a role and you don't want to go back on your word. You don't want a player to think now that he's lost his trust in his head coach because he's not doing what he said he would do. That stuff plays into this. I mean, it, it, as much as fans may not want to acknowledge it, there are human relationships involved on teams. And if Matt Nagy, who seems like he's a guy who is holds his word as one of the more important parts of his approach with the players, if he told Mike Davis that, look, you're going to have a role with you sign with us, you're going to have this, 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 whatever it was, you know, it almost seemed like Mike Davis was in the game by default. I, I didn't really feel or understand with the exception of his status as a veteran, maybe being able to handle a pass rush and pass protection, things like that a little better. But, you know, Montgomery clearly, clearly flashed more upside than Mike Davis as a pure runner. And I do think we're going to see a lot of him because the best way to slow down a pass rush like the Broncos have with Bradley Chubb and Von Miller is to kill him with a running game. You know, let those edge rushers loop to the outside and just kill him up the middle with David Montgomery. And I think the Bears have no choice. They have to do that. The Packers were able to get after Mitch Trubisky. Vic Fangio knows this Bears offense, knows the offensive lineman better than any coach in the NFL, and he happens to have two of the best pass rushers to use to attack that offensive line. There is no choice but to balance this game plan. out. Last week, Matt Nagy called 53 passes compared to 12 runs. That is insane especially in a one-score game. He cannot let the game script get away from him again, especially not against a guy like Vic Fangio, who's going to be one step ahead of him the whole time. Matt Nagy could think that he's going to outthink Vic Fangio, but Fangio is way, way his senior in terms of been there, done that on the NFL level. And if Matt Nagy thinks he's going to outsmart Fangio, he's going to have another thing coming to him. You got to play basic football in this game. Run the ball. Get into third and favorable situations, third and three, third and two, third and four, to where a dump down to Tariq Cohen for five yards is giving you a first down against the Broncos, not putting you in fourth and five. And that's what we saw over and over and over again against the Packers. Tariq Cohen will be very effective moving the chains as a receiver if it's third and three. If it's fourth and nine, I don't know. He might not be able to do it as consistently. So the only way to get there is by establishing the run with David Montgomery. And, you know, Montgomery came in with so much hype, Alyssa, so much expectation. You know, fantasy football kind of plays into this, right? Where there was some, the, you know, Montgomery was the hot rookie, him, Josh Jacobs, the top two rookie running backs. We saw what Josh Jacobs did against the Broncos defense last week. A very impressive debut, over 100 total yards, two touchdowns. Where do you think Montgomery ends up stat-wise? What do you think his stat line ends up looking like when when the when the final whistle blows on Sunday against Denver? Well, I want to go back to what you were saying, Brian, about how Nagy's not sure how he's using his running backs right now. So if he manages to really understand how he's going to utilize Montgomery, then I feel like he has a similar big game because we saw in that small sample size 
that he has that playmaking ability. Obviously, we've seen that in the preseason too. But if, again, Nagy is, you know, struggling with how does he use all these backs, splitting carries between uh, all three of them, you know, I'm not sure. But if I'm hoping (laughs) that Nagy really finally figures out, you know, in the second game how to utilize him because he can have a big game against this defense, as we saw with Josh Jacobs with the Raiders. I think that's a fair. I think that's a fair estimate. I mean, if he ends up having over 100 total yards and a couple scores, Bears fans, you know, optimism will return. And I think if he does that, it's because the Bears were in a positive game script and they were giving the running backs touches, and because they were playing with a lead. Uh, you know, my worry, my biggest fear in Week Two is that Denver's pass rushers are going to be chomping at the bit to get their first sack. They got shut out last week against Derek Carr, which is really shocking, in my opinion. I, I'm just stunned that neither one of them were able to really f- create much pass rush. It does, in a way, make you wonder about Vic Fangio and how he utilizes his talent. <coughs> Excuse me. Because Leonard Floyd, for all the years under Vic Fangio, never really emerged as a top pass rusher. One game without Vic Fangio, and he has two sacks. Bradley Chubb and Von Miller with Van- Vic Fangio, neither one of them comes away with a sack. You know, he's not that aggressive with his play calling, especially with his edge rushers, dropping some of these guys back into coverage. He did it with Leonard Floyd a lot last year, did it even with Cleo Mack. So maybe we won't see that pin your ear back, pin your ears back mentality with these guys like they deserve to have because Vic Fangio's system or the way his philosophy is on using his pass rushers, maybe it won't be as bad as we think. But but to me, that is my biggest concern. And probably what has me lacking some confidence in this game. But you know what gives you confidence, Alyssa? A really good suit. Every guy likes to look better and feel more confident. And that's what happens when he puts on a new suit. There's only one problem. Guys keep buying generic off-the-rack suits. That's why Blue Wire's pumped a partner with Indochino for an amazing deal on a new suit. Indochino is the world's leading made-to-measure menswear company. They make suits and shirts to your exact measurements for an unparalleled fit and comfort. Looking to get married? They have tons of options for those looking to outfit their wedding party. It's so easy to get started. Visit a stylist at one of Indochino's 40 showrooms in North America and have them take your measurements personally. Or measure at home yourself and shop online at Indochino.com. This week, Chicago Shuffle listeners can get in, can get any premium Indochino suit for just 369 bucks at Indochino.com when entering Blue Wire at checkout. Plus, shipping is free. That's Indochino.com, promo code Blue Wire for any premium suit for just $369 and free shipping. This is an incredible deal for a premium made-to-measure suit. Once you go custom, you don't go back. And when we talk about Leonard Floyd, are we going to go back to seeing him not be an effective pass rusher anymore? Do you think we saw the breakthrough moment for a guy that Bears pegged as a double-digit sack guy, Alyssa, do you think we finally are seeing Leonard Floyd break out? I think so, Brian. Leonard Floyd could actually be the real deal. And I remember t- us talking about this before the season. This this feels like this could be Floyd's year. You know, going he had those two sacks, and including that bull rush against David Bakhtiari, that was just, he looks hungry. He looks like someone motivated to go out there and prove everyone wrong, but also prove it to himself. You know, he has 17 and a half sacks in his NFL career and seven of those have come against the Packers, including those two on Thursday. You know, obviously he's benefiting from, you know, double teams on Mac, but this year I feel like the difference is 
this year he's taking advantage of it, at least obviously in that first game. Um, I think, I don't know, like, stop me if I'm wrong, but I'm feeling confident about Leonard Floyd and I'm afraid. No, I, I don't think you're wrong. I think you're right. I saw a little more juice, a little more pop in his hands. He was playing with heavier hands. Like you said, confidence is a big, big part of this. Also being hungry, playing for money, playing for that second contract. He knows the Bears picked up his fifth-year option. He's got a little confidence in the tank. He knows the team has a little confidence in him. And he knows a massive contract extension could be waiting for him at the end of the season if he has a 13 or 14 sack year, which he has clearly paced himself for after week one. The way he was getting after the quarterback, the energy, the motor, the snap-to-whistle intensity, he wasn't slowing down. He was stringing together some pass rush moves. It looks like his pass rush arsenal has expanded a little bit. Most importantly, his power at the point of attack, the pop and heaviness of his hands is at a level that it has not been at yet through his pro career, which is why he was able to bull rush a guy like Bakhtiari, why he was able to just like stun the offensive lineman on contact and then set him up for a a speed move. You know, Bakhtiari, part of the reason why he probably got so caught off guard by Leonard Floyd is because Floyd's been a one-trick speed pony since he entered the NFL. Suddenly, he's getting a little power behind his hands, a little leverage, some leg drive. Offensive linemen aren't ready for that because they haven't seen that yet from Leonard Floyd in the three-plus years that he's been in the league. Suddenly, he adds that to his game, and now an offensive lineman doesn't know, are you going to get the power rusher Leonard Floyd, the speed rusher Leonard Floyd? Is he going to string together one, two, maybe a counter pass rush move here and there? That brings all of his athletic God-given ability to, to the, it rises to the top because now if a guy has become a refined pass rusher, a guy has the ability now to do multiple things, to win in multiple ways, you add that athletic ability, that's the cherry on top because now you have a schooled pass rusher who's just a damn better athlete than you are. That's a lethal combination. That's kind of what's made Khalil Mack so good for so long is that not only is he a, a just a craftsman as a pass rusher, but he's bigger than you, he's stronger than you, and he's faster than you. So guys can win in the NFL with just those traits. When you add to it some actual refined, a refined skill set, that turns a player from a really good player to an elite player and an elite player into a Hall of Fame player. So we're not there yet with Leonard Floyd. But he might be going from a good player to a very good player to maybe even an elite pass rusher this season. Would like to see him string it together again in week two against Denver. He's going to have a chance to because the Denver Broncos offensive line, he's going to be, he's going to have a chance to do it again. And Cleo Mack going up against the backup offensive lineman. If Juwan James can't play, the Bears are going to eat. Pass rushers are going to eat against Joe Flacco, who's not exactly a guy like Aaron Rodgers who could, who can escape chaos. They're gonna, they're gonna, they're gonna get home and they're gonna make plays. Alyssa, we're running up against the clock here. It's prediction time, as always. I put you on the spot last time. Well, let me back up. I put you on the spot first last week, so I think it's only fair to put you on the spot first again this week. Okay. So, Bears Broncos Sunday, four twenty-five Eastern time, three twenty-five Central time in Denver. Who you got? Okay, so I have the Bears winning, which it's, you know, I was thinking about it because it's it's hard to win in Denver in September. 
I think the Broncos are like, was it 14 and Oh, like winning like the lat, like the second game of the season in Denver. So, you know, the numbers aren't exactly encouraging, but watching the Broncos game on Monday night, I, I feel confident. I went bears 20 Broncos nine, because I just can't pick the Broncos offense to score more than Aaron Rodgers did on this defense. I can't pick Joe Flacco to score more than Aaron Rodgers. So I'm going to go 20 tonight. I, I, I like the logic. I do. I do think the Broncos will score a touchdown. Um, maybe they get the 13, but I don't think it's necessarily because the offense plays better than Aaron Rodgers. I, I still think we could see a sloppy play or two from Mitch Trubisky that turns into an interception that leads to favorable field position and that extra field goal or two that puts them over that 10-point mark. Am I confident enough in what we saw last week to say the Bears are going to score 20? I'm just not. I'm not. I think this could be a 17-13 game. Bears, I do think the Bears are going to win. Look, if the Bears don't win, Alyssa, if they lose this game, we got some problems on our hands. Okay? It's going to be We got some serious, serious problems on our hands because the Raiders just beat the Broncos. And the Broncos are actually more injured than they were going into the Raiders game. So if the Bears can't beat a beat-up Broncos team, who the Raiders just dominated, what does that say about the Bears? And then you got to start worrying that the Bears could be teetering on that quote-unquote Jacksonville Jaguars, good defense, Blake Bortles at quarterback, run where they just never were able to take advantage of the talent on that team you know, season after season. We're not saying that Trubisky's Blake Bortles. Bears fans, stay off my timeline. That's not what I'm saying. But if they lose to the Broncos, there is legitimate reason to be concerned that we could be looking at a season where we were all sitting here saying, the Raiders, man, we're going to get a second-round pick from Oakland that's going to almost be like a late first-rounder because they're going to be so terrible, of course, that they're going to pick in the top 10, which means the uh, Bears are going to end up having you know a top 45 pick when it's all said and done. <clears throat> well, we could be looking at week two with the Raiders at 2-0 and and the Bears at 0-2, and suddenly the Raiders could be looking at a top 10 pick in the first round with this Bears team. I'm obviously not predicting that they'll be that bad. I'm not even that worried that if they go 0-2, that it, it will be, you know, red alert. But, I mean, my God, they got to beat the Broncos. So 17-13 is my call. 20-9 is Alyssa's call. You can hit us up on Twitter between now and Sunday and after Sunday, obviously. Let us know what you think of our prediction. Drop your prediction in our timelines. Let us know what you're thinking. Head over to Apple Podcasts, iTunes. Leave us a five-star review or rating. Give us a review. Do whatever it is you can do to help spread the show. And you know, Alyssa, we talked before we started recording that I struggle with these outros, right? I don't know how to close a show in a concise, clean, easy way. So I'm going to do this really simple. Bears fans, come on back after week two to Chicago Shuffle. And in the meantime, bear down.